It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 363 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July 20th? I think that's right. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you check out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. we got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd breaking down, this week at least, all the impacts of the Kawhi Leonard trade and all that stuff and a bunch of other stuff on that show as well. Fantasy-wise, uh, Locked On NBA with David Locke uh, on Thursdays, and then the rest of the days are all hosts from across the network doing daily shows there. So make sure you're checking that out for all of your Kawhi reaction. And, of course, this show uh, that has had much Kawhi reaction, you can check it out on iTunes. If you leave a rating or review, that's the best way to support the show. It's very helpful. It's good for the ego, good for the ratings, good for the the, the I don't know the, the list on iTunes. I don't know. I, I don't know how it all works. I just I'm, I I've been told it's been ingrained in me that asking for ratings and reviews is good. So uh, please do that and uh, satiate my desire for uh, I don't know validation. Please. Uh, all right. On today's show. It's uh, going to be a somber episode, I think, uh, but also a, a celebratory one. Uh, it's a DeMar DeRozan tribute episode. Of course, DeMar DeRozan is no longer a Raptor, and it's very sad in, in a certain way. And joining me to talk about it is, um, I don't know, the writer of the NBA Summer Vacation Watch for Vice, Raptors Republic, frequent guest on this show. It's Katie Heindel. How's it going? I'm so sad. <laughs> it's going okay. Yeah, weird day today. So Masai had his press conference uh, addressing the media about the Kawhi Demar trade, and I don't know. It was nice that he started it with an apology to Demar, I suppose, and then it seemed like he was, you know, taking responsibility for perhaps a miscommunication between him and Demar's camp. And then Damar posted another cryptic Instagram story just with one face palm emoji. And I just, I don't know. I kind of talked about this a little bit in the last couple episodes, but this is going to be a very Damar episode. And before we get to the tribute of him, I kind of think we should talk about the sort of weird sort of feeling that we're all having about him right now. Um, I don't know. Where are you at feelings-wise with Damar? You know, where were you when the deal happened? Where are you now that this cryptic stuff is still going on? And they kind of seem like they're breaking up, not super ceremoniously. I don't know. What, where are you at right now? Just kind of processing it all. Um, I guess I'm less shocked than I was when it was happening. I mean, I was up like in the morning when the trade was like going down. And at first I was like, you know, this can't, this won't happen. Mm-hmm. Like this can't be a real thing. And then, you know, it just like gained more momentum, gained more momentum. It's like, Oh, okay. It's, it's like happening. And then like real, real names started to get dropped about like who was moving where. And it just felt super surreal. Like I think that's still how I feel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember <laughs> it's a weird, here to talk about this because it feels like grieving like I don't know 
it's the best way I can put it. Like, I know it sounds so dramatic, but honestly, like the day, the day he got traded, I was talking to someone about it and it was the first time, like the first time I had to talk about him in the past tense, mm-hmm. I was just like, I just stopped short and it truly, I was like, this weirdly feels like, yeah, like grieving or something. I mean, I'm realistically, I know it's not the same at all, but just like the sense of him there, I keep getting these like weird mad flare ups when I picture him like playing in front of a bunch of like t- Texans. <laughs> <laughs> just like he's not gonna know anyone there there's all these people with weird accents he already knows this weird accent like he was comfortable here um i don't know i guess like today I, because you asked me to be on this podcast i started to i guess read some of the stuff i'd been avoiding because mm-hmm. i i mean think i feel pretty strongly the way i do and i don't really think that's going to change and mm-hmm. I, it, it hasn't like I, I i see all sides of it like i get it I get why it's like a good move theoretically but like I just can't get the one thing I can't get past is just like the way that this was sprung on him but to me it just feels like I don't know I feel like we just kind of screwed him over it does feel a little dirty and it feels it, very dirty yeah and it kind of feels I made the analogy of like when you're in high school and you're paranoid about not having any friends and being the only person not out on a Friday night, so you make plans with, like, three different groups of people, and then you have to break the hearts of two people who definitely wanted to hang out with you, uh, that you're not hanging out with them and you're doing it. The other third thing. And, like, you just kind of... I don't know. The the order of operations of making plans is all out of whack, and it seems like kind of what happened with the Raptors is, like, they... So what, what I gathered from Masai's availability today was that like it seems like they might have talked about the potential of a Kawhi trade at the time in summer league in Vegas last week or two weeks ago and at the time it didn't seem like it was going to happen at all it seemed like kind of a far-fetched off thing and then it develops to the point where oh it's happening now and maybe that just like with Masai being in Africa and just sort of the I don't know, lines of communication not really being there, DeMar was blindsided by it, and, like, that would suck. Like, I I don't begrudge DeMar for processing this in a way that I think is kind of human. Like, he's been here for nine years. It's his whole family. He's been here. Like, it's, like, you live here. All your shit's here. Like, it's it's a big blow to take, especially when you've signed three contracts with with the team you're with and, like, have expressed how much you want to be there and, like, they call him Mr. I Am Toronto when they introduce him for games. Like, it's it's not... Like, I totally understand DeMar's perspective on this. And the fact that it seems like the Raptors maybe... I don't want to say they did him dirty. Because, like, this is kind of what happens. And, like, I accept that. And I also don't think, to, like, Masai would have gone to his face and said, we're definitely not trading you, and then traded him three days later. I just feel like... I don't think any GM's going to do that. Because any GM knows that, you know, the bright offer comes across, like, you gotta trade your dudes, if that if that's what happens, so, like, I I know there's, like, Masai referenced the conversation you have with Damar, I don't think we'll ever actually know what was actually said there, and without that clarity, I don't know how much we can even judge, like, who should be feeling what at this point, but, like, I don't begrudge Damar at all for, like, being pissed off, like, it's, I totally get it. Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, I want to talk more about the coaching and the way that things, have, like, not just the coaching, rather, but, like, the front office and the way things have appeared to me pretty harried, like, this off season. But yeah. first, just, like, I think it's very gross and weird that people, not, I'm not, like, just, you know, I'm not seeing this from everybody, but there's this sense that, like, 
like why do we need a reaction from Demar so badly already? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't want that. Like I don't really want to hear from him until like frankly, like if he needs like all summer or whatever to like hear from him, like that's fine. Like he doesn't owe it to anyone. Mm-hmm. I think he might feel that way because of like his loyalty to Toronto, the city, and to the franchise. But I think like this is a guy who like probably just had one of the hardest in most like difficult years of his life personally mm-hmm. and then also like a great probably one of the best seasons of his life as a professional so he's just like even before this happened i'm sure he was kind of going into this into the um into the summer and like looking ahead to next year being like i don't really know what's going to happen like there's a lot of uncertainty for him so i think the one certain thing was to come back to toronto mm-hmm. um so i think that like fans or or like i don't know critics or whoever is just like oh like get over it like should he should move on with it like he's a player like he's this is professional like yeah all that's true but like he's also like he's so beloved and like because he's so personable and it took him almost like it almost took him so long to like come out of his shell in that way and he did that here because obviously he felt like comfortable enough to do that so it's like if this dude wants to like grieve or like take some time and just like not talk to anybody let him do that and leave him alone i just think like this sense of like entitlement to basketball players is especially in moments like this is very weird the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, well, that's like, sports are so goddamn weird. And, like, there's so many levels of sports that are, like, kind of uncomfortable and gross. And this is one of them. And I don't really know how to process it. But, like, I'm not going to stop watching sports. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's... I, I totally agree. Like, Damar, take your time, man. Like, if you need to take... You don't have to... Again, you don't owe anybody anything. Like, they just traded you. You don't owe the team anything as, like, a response back. Or you don't owe them, like, a quick closing of, or a burying of the hatchet. Like, take your time, dude. My thing is, like, the way I've been kind of making myself feel better about it is that I feel like Damar's beef probably stops with the front office. Like, I don't think his connection to the city or the fans is going to be killed by this, right? Like, I think this will okay. it'll always be special to him, and whenever he's back, like, I have no doubt, even with this sort of cryptic response where he's not sort of coming out and saying anything, which, again, is totally fine and understandable and I, relatable. <laughs> um, like, I, I think that when he's back, like, the, 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 the ovation he gets will be... Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to cry, probably. <laughs> like, it's... Oh, my God. But, like, yesterday, like, I ran into someone yesterday, and they were like, just think of, like, his first game back. Like, just think of the ovation. And I was like, are you a sociopath? Like, I can't even <laughs> think about that right now. Like, and I, like, those things kill me. Like, I cried. Like, for the Amir one, like, I cried before it started. Like, when I knew it was coming, I yeah. just, like, started to cry. My face was wet. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, for, for a long time. So I don't know how it will even compare. But, like, I can't even, t- like, talk about that yet. And, again, like, lesser than what we were just talking about. Just, like, were we already there to be, like, 
just think of the montage. <laughs> I love montages, but like I'm not there yet. Man, I cried for the watching the after the game happened, watching the YouTube video of the Wolves homecoming video for Kevin Garnett. <laughs> like, and I don't even care about Kevin Garnett all that much. Like, yeah, at, at points I grew to resent him as a player, considering he played for the stupid Celtics. Um, but yeah, no, it's. It's gonna suck, but yeah, I, I if it takes until then for Demar to even talk to the media about it, like that's fine. Read Josh Lewenberg's little blurb that he just uh, tweeted out. Um, he kind of I think articulated pretty well uh, why people should stop being idiots about this and just kind of no one has to be the bad guy here. Like Masai's doing his job, and you mentioned that like things seem kind of hurried and yeah. strange this off season, but also like this is if there's ever been an off season in which Masai's job security or just like the job performance has been under scrutiny this is the one and i can understand why he'd be sort of frazzled in making these decisions and sort of i, I don't know it, it, it's like with anything right it's if you're under stress like your decision making process is not going to be quite the same it's not going to be as pragmatic probably and i get that from a size perspective too i mean this dude's opening a school in kenya and on the phone with rc buford at the same time trying to make this deal so like all the things going on at once, like, I, I empathize with Masai here, and I totally empathize with Damar, so, like, I don't think it has to be, like, a binary thing where one side is evil, one side is bad, and one and Damar's been done dirty, but, um, I don't know. It's so weird to sort through, because, I, I don't know, are you even excited about Kawhi right now? No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, like, I, I'm just not there yet, and I yeah. don't, like... You know, I don't think any... It's not going to take any amount of convincing. I think it'll be, like, either seeing him here or, like, seeing him play. Yeah. Um, I think... Because it just doesn't feel like a real thing for me. Like, I know it's all... It's happened. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, I'm not, like... I'm not stoked. I mean, I, I think... Like, I was way more excited when we got, like, Ibaka. <laughs> uh, and I remember that feeling. I was like, yes, you know? Like, what a get. And, like, this is, like, the get of all gets for Toronto. But... I don't really care. <laughs> See, I was crushed when Terrence got traded, so I didn't quite yeah. <laughs> uh, have the same reaction. But um, yeah. and I mean, like to your point about Masai, like I know, yeah, like of course he's got a lot going on this summer. And I, I guess when I speak of the front office, I don't even necessarily so much mean him. Though I will say, for someone who's always seemed so meticulous and careful and like very good at playing the long game in his decision making. Like, that definitely seems like that's not the case. And I get it circumstantially, like, you know, the Kawhi thing, that kind of just came up quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, though, like, I'll be honest, the the it's like, was it just some dude in Vegas who was like, yeah, like, I'm going to give the Raptors, like, the odds to get him. And then it just <laughs> became this power of suggestion kind of snowball thing, because that's honestly what it seemed like, you know? Like, last week it was, like, not even a possibility. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but yeah. it was just, like, it just gained more and more and more momentum, and it just seemed like this frenzy of, like, to me, like, we've got to have him, you know, like, at all costs, basically. Yeah, I don't know if it was that or if it was just, like, yeah, well, what came first, the Vegas bump or the actual trade <laughs> talks? It's, I mean, yeah. maybe Bobby Webster just got a line on a bookie, and he called him up as soon as it happened. And, like, I, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, it's hard. Like, I'm excited for Kawhi because he's really damn good. And I think just the fact that they kept OG and Pascal mattered uh -huh. a lot to me and made me feel much better about it all. Like, if those two were both going out in this as well, I'd probably feel a lot more sad about it, even though I'm still excited about the prospect of Kawhi on the Raptors. 
Um, and like I believe in Messiah enough that I don't think like I, I'm not saying it's likely that they'll be able to keep him, but I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that this is going to be a one-year thing that you threw away Demar's prime years with the Raptors for. You know what I mean? Like I think there's a real chance that you know this could turn into a thing where the Raptors have a top five player on their team for multiple years. Which in that in that case, like maybe Demar's a worthy cost of that, and it just it's not easy to take and. Uh, so here's the thing, is going into this offseason, I was totally fine running it back because I like this team and I like winning 55 games even if it doesn't result in the same thing. And part of that was because I didn't think a trade like this would be on the table. But, like, I'm trying to – I'm having a hard time sort of drawing the line between, like, how much I'm interested in the Raptors being super-duper good and, like, the emotional side of caring about the team and the reasons why I care about the team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's – like it, like I'm very excited for Kawhi, the, like the robotic basketball player, and what he's going to do to the Raptors as a team. And like I'm sure as the season goes on, there will be things that happen that make him more endearing and just make the team as likable as it was before. Um, and like keeping guys like Pascal and OG around probably help with that. But like it, I'm definitely not going to enjoy rooting for this team as much as I did probably last year, at least not right away. I don't think because of the Demar Kawhi just like the the two ends of the spectrum they're on in terms of just like out and out likability as raptors it's i don't know do you agree there yeah and like i think like i guess i don't care because i thought like to me this was already a good team i know everyone's like but it's not enough like we got to be good like we got it but it's like i already thought we were we were good i get it it's like the playoffs thing is the big the big kind of thorn in the side of the franchise and what what um, Messiah's trying to fix, but like to me, to me, I, I don't think it was as pressing. I think it was made pressing because of the availability of Kawhi. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. otherwise, like yeah. I'm sure maybe they would have like just moved some smaller pieces around, but like kept the core as is. Yeah. Um, and I was prepared for that. And like this isn't because I, I think like my and other people's reactions that are still having a hard time like processing it isn't because it's like, oh, I had it in my head that we'd have one more or maybe two more seasons with with Jamar. Like, I get, I get that business of the game. I think it's just, like, the logic. The logic seems secondary to me. And I think that that's my point with, like, I mean, I, I guess I'll come right out and say it. Like, I just, like, I don't trust Nick Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know why. Like, he hasn't done. He's another, I think he's just, like, another piece, like, similar to Kawhi. Like, I just need to see what he does yeah like we've heard about all these plans that he's got and what he's doing now during the summer um i like some of the like i like some of the the new coaching staff around him but like i don't know like is he the reason some things have seemed so rushed like is that what i guess my big fear is like you go from being a caliber of of a franchise team that is like you know i don't think it's over the top to say you're you're pretty noble. Like, I think the Raptors always, like, and a large part of that is due to Masai, but, like, always handled themselves with, like, decency and respect to, like, the players and everyone that they were dealing with. And this was kind of the first very, like, sort of cold... (laughs) Yeah, like, cold, calculated, but, like, cold in its calculation decision that, that, you know, we've seen. Um, And I I understand that sometimes that has to happen, but if, if, like, is that what it takes to, like, be the winning team that we want to be like if that's the case like i don't think i'm as invested that's fair uh my, my thing is like i i wonder if 
just because the only good time in Raptors history, aside from a couple Vince years, has been this era with DeMar and Kyle and Dwayne, that, like, the change feels a lot more abrupt and sort of unsettling to Raptors uh-huh. fans right now. Whereas, like, if this was a team that was pretty good over the course of, like, 20 years, you know, on and off, with, like, just a few down years in between, like, I feel like the changing of, like, regimes and changing of the guard wouldn't quite be as sort of stark and wouldn't be as... You know, as upsetting, I think, to people, right? Like, it would be like, oh, yeah, like, this is just what happens. Like, we trust this, the stability of the franchise and stuff, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is one of those moves where, like, the success of it will help build the trust that this is just, like, not a crap team anymore and just, like, can sustain anything and has become more than just DeMar, Kyle, and Dwayne being the culture. Like, the culture is more self-sustaining now because of what they built, and, like, I'll always remember them for that and appreciate them that for that. But like, I I wonder if just this is just like a, a stage in the growth of a franchise from being a doormat to being something more relevant. And like in two or three years from now, even if Kawhi leaves, but if you know things look like they're going to be okay, I don't know. Or even if or if Kawhi stays, like maybe you look back at this sort of time, and maybe it's a little bit less. I don't know. Sad to look back on, and maybe you just view it as more of a necessary step. I don't know. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We should probably talk about DeMar's time with the Raptors (laughs) instead of getting deeply philosophical here. Um, DeMar was a very good basketball player for a long time for the Raptors. Uh, Was probably here for the worst and best times in team history, I would guess. Like... 2010 to 2013 was pretty rough. I those were the years that I kind of stopped caring about the team. To be honest, like from, I went to school, and I went to school in Ottawa where no one gives a damn about basketball, and I didn't have cable because I was poor, and none of my friends cared about basketball. So and the team was terrible. So I was like, all right, I don't really need to watch Andrea Bargnani play small forward for like for 30 games. Like I'm good. So I kind of missed the down years of DeMar, and then I kind of got back in the year they made the Rudy Gay trade at the end, and then, um, like, in 2012-13, the first Rudy Gay trade, which no one cares about because the, it was the second one that mattered. Um, but that, that's kind of when I got pulled back in. So I kind of saw DeMar go from, like, very inefficient, like, bane of the Raptors' existence early on when he was just like, all right, you're taking 15 shots a game and we're going to be bad because of it, but, like, you're all we got, so why not? And then him transforming into what he became, and it was just, like, it was such a... It was a treat, man. Like, I can't think of a star player who took as long as he did to get where he got, but I kind of think that journey is easier to like appreciate than maybe a guy who becomes amazing in like year two or three you know what I mean yeah because it doesn't seem like magic like it's yeah. more relatable right yeah. like it's more like you saw the work he did he'd, he'd he'd like figure out every year at the end of the season what what he was lacking what he needed to work on and then he would go off and work on it and come back and be good at it mm-hmm. and I think like that's not necessarily um like a narrative you see 
frequently in the NBA. Like, you know, we're used to just like total freaks of nature, like amazing players all the time. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe they they are not and then they, they get put on like whether they get traded and are on a team or, you know, the, there's a better situation for them and they just kind of come alive. Like it, DeMar, like plotting isn't the right word because it sounds very like <laughs> plotting. And, <laughs> but like he was just so methodical um, and like I guess – you know, he just it always seemed like he had this trust in himself that he would just go off and work on whatever he needed to do and, like, he would get good at it and then he would come back and the team would be better for it. And he, like, that's, I think, how he led. I think that's how he got excited about, like, all the, especially this year, like, the young bench that came together. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he never really saw, like, how he would, like, light up around these guys and, like, just when he even talked about them in, in pressers. Like, he, him and Lowry were just, like, you know, the leaders of that team for more reasons than just, like, being kind of, like, the all-star players. Yeah. I wonder if... Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you did miss out. Uh, Like, that was a pretty dismal time, yes, but uh, there were some highlights, which was the 2010 and 2011 dunk contest where DeMar was robbed. (laughs) 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 Uh, Most notably with Blake Griffin. Was that the jump over the car one? Yeah, the fucking oh, Kia dunk. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, like Dwyer was amazing. Like, go back and watch those today once we're done talking because they're amazing. And like, I don't know, they gave me, they gave me chills again. Yeah, that is a really good dunk contest. Didn't Blake Murphy write about that this year? I think he did. Did he? Or, oh, he wrote about a different one. I think the one Surge was in. Or was that the one Surge was in? I can't remember now. <laughs> it was a really good. They were both very good ones. Surge but... was in that one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so go back for multiple reasons. See when Serge could jump still, and uh, yeah. also young Damar just cutting his teeth. When Serge had some energy, and uh, <laughs> Damar looking just like, I mean, not not exactly, but like I'd say like close to Siakam in the sense of just being this like raw energy, you know, like yeah. he hasn't quite put it all together yet, but he's just sort of like blasting out. He was an extremely Jamaria Moon-ass player when he started, and became yeah. so much more than that. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I wonder if, like, a reason why so many guys around the league seem to respect him is that maybe more than anyone else, like, who's been, like, an all-NBA, all-star caliber player over the last four or five years, like, he's the most self-made of all of those guys, right? Like, a lot of these guys just, like, all right, you're Anthony Davis, you are six foot eleven and are insane and have point guard skills, you're going to be good at basketball. And, like, that's just kind of the same across the board for a lot of these guys. Maybe, like, Paul Millsap is one you could say, like, oh, second rounder who became really good or Draymond or whatever. But, like, for DeMar to go from what he was to just being a guy who could be, I don't know, I still think he was the second best player on the Raptors, but some argue he was the best. And to be a guy who could do that on a 59-win team, like, that's insane. And just so uncommon i think around the league in just like general league history right like normally it's guys who are kind of preordained to be really good and that was definitely not the case with demar so um i'll always respect him for that for sure and and like i always kind of found there was just this very human quality about demar and it's kind of sad because i think it's ended up being the reason that the raptors deemed him a guy they should move on from in, in exchange for Kawhi. is that no matter how much work he put in and it was more than anybody else, he still never quite ended up being what everybody wanted him to be. And that's sad, but also extremely relatable. And I just, I don't know. He's, he was a very easy player to root for because of that, right? He wasn't just this dude who 
was put on Earth to score twenty five eight and eight. Like he, he he worked at it, and he still had flaws at the end of the day. But it just it was extremely easy to to root root for and watch sort of grow from what he what he started as. Yeah, and like he like he was earnest about it, and then yeah. more than just like his gameplay. Like he, as he got better, um, you could see like his confidence in everything else that he did started to really build, and just like again, like this whole personality of him that I don't think you know we'd ever seen before finally got to to come out because it's just like he, you know, he like. He worked at this thing, and every year he just got better, and he just felt better about it. And like I don't know, it just that's not something. Like we see little glimpses. I think in the NBA, like more than other, like I've talked about this at length. I feel like, but more, more than in other like leagues, like you really do see the, the personality of players, and that's why it's like such an amazing game, and that's why we love it so much. Mm-hmm. But I think there's still, you know, there's still a line that like you don't you you don't you think you know something but like you don't really know these guys at the end of the day but there was something more like I don't know it just felt very special to mm-hmm. to to watch that part of DeMar come out and like to see it happen here and like because he was so guarded for so long and it, it was like such a slow process I think like maybe one of the reasons why it feels so surreal is just like for me it's just I don't I don't think we were done yet you know yeah but that sounds like such a thing like when you get broken up with 100 <laughs> that, like, that's that's how i feel about it yeah I, like I, I agree to an extent like i was like i said i was on team run it back for the most part uh, in, except for in the event of you can get a guy like Kawhi. um and i was on the team running back because i feel like the like, the diminishing returns hadn't really set in yet, right? It's still a team that is kind of new to any sort of success, and, like, I was very hesitant to sort of prematurely get rid of that. And, like, I thought moving it on and not running running it back meant trading DeMar for, like, picks and stuff. That was kind of yeah. my impression. So, like, I, I, I still think this is a version of running it back, right? Like, they're just going to stay good for another year at least and hope they can make it something longer term. So, like, in that way, it's easier to digest, I suppose. But, yeah, like, this team, I, I think, I don't know whether or not they would have been anything more than what they were this year in next year's Eastern Conference with LeBron gone. Like, maybe they would have been. I, I have my doubts because I think the Celtics are really good, and I think the Raptors are definitely more cut out to play the Celtics now in particular. Um, but, yeah, I would not have been opposed to one more year of this, especially because they're so easy to root for, right? And it is going to be a weird dynamic to have a guy come in who you know... I don't know if he's, like, adamantly opposed to playing here. Like, there's been varied reports or whatever, but, like, you know that he's not as in love with the city as DeMar was. And that's going to be hard to digest, I think, at least at the start. And we'll see how that develops. But it's not going to be easy to say... to, like, throw yourself fully into rooting for this guy who you know is just way less loyal to the situation and knows less about you as a fan base in a city and all that stuff than DeMar did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we could, I realized we came back to this. We could go back That's to okay. No, it's fine. No. It's all good. Um, it's just part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I said I wasn't going to like put you on the spot and say, what's your favorite DeMar moment? But like, do you have... I do have one. A though. few that, like that one, stand like out. One came to me. I have okay. a few. Okay. But I think like the the ultimate one, and like the saddest one to think about now, um, is uh, when Larry got blocked in Game Seven against the Nets. 
and the Demar was the very first person who was just like basically hovering ran out and like hovering over him when like Kyle wouldn't get up you know what I mean and like you got Demar got like so close to him and was like talking to him like you could be I don't know what he said but you know then like pulled him up and just like I just can't imagine how like I know how that felt it felt awful but like I can't imagine how it felt to them you know what I mean um and yeah I mean that's not even like a game type moment but that's definitely my one of my favorites my god (laughs) (laughs) that hits pretty hard (laughs) you could have also consoled Terrence Ross for standing on the wrong side of the court that would have been nice (laughs) (laughs) god that just punched me right in the gut (laughs) because you see every time someone talks about it you are transported right back there to that moment yeah god things were so simple then (laughs) fuck (sighs) yeah I think for me yeah. yeah for me I think it might have been this year, that Detroit game, where he dunked on Anthony Tolliver, which he always does. He's always had crunch time dunks, which was like my favorite thing about DeMar's style of play, was that he never really dunked all that much after his first few years, but whenever he did, it was a poster on some poor soul when it really, really (laughs) mattered. Whether it was like Rudy Gobert, or Tristan Thompson, or Thon Maker, like that poor bastard, his career got ruined when DeMar dunked on him in Game 6. But the game this year against the Pistons, like, he obviously ties it up, whatever, they go to overtime, and I don't know, I just, that that game where he set up Fred for the three in the corner to win it, it kind of just felt like him coming full circle as a player, right? Because his whole thing was, and the whole criticism of him through playoff runs and just in the regular season was like, oh, the offense bogs down, it's too sticky when he has the ball, and he's not... Like, he's never looking to set guys up or whatever. And this season, like, he obviously made a concerted effort to get better at that. And that was kind of the, you know, the manifestation of that, right? Was him in a crunch time situation, which the Raptors didn't have many of this year because they kicked the shit out of everybody. Um, (laughs) But for him to, like, defer in a situation where maybe he'd take it to the house in the past and try to score himself and, and, and hit Fred and just be so happy for Fred when he hit that shot, like, that was... That was big, man. And also, just like in those playoff post games this season, in the Cavs series in particular, like I love Kyle. I think Kyle is the engine of the team, and I I have probably more identified with Kyle than Demar, if that's possible, over the last few seasons. Like I've always enjoyed Kyle's style a little bit more. But for in those post game press conferences, and like I don't really like those because it's asking a lot of guys to sort of break down what happened. Uh, after a crushing loss, like game one, for example, against the Cavs, like that shit was terrible. And Damar was just like, yeah, like I'll answer these questions. Like Kyle kind of deferred every time. And like, I don't begrudge Kyle for that, but I also respect the hell out of Damar for being the guy to just kind of take it upon himself to answer those questions. And like, it was uh, just kind of a emblematic of who he was, I guess. Like we're getting real sappy here. <laughs> God, it's hard. Yeah, I'm excited for Kawhi. I don't want to like. I'm excited for what the team's gonna look like next season, and like I think change can be good and may prove to be something that we can really get behind next season. Um, But yeah, like it's not easy to move on from this guy. It's he's the first guy who ever like wanted to be here all the time. I mean, Kyle too, to an extent. Even though last summer he was kind of just like market factors are the reason he stuck around most likely, but. 
Like, DeMar didn't even take meetings when he was a free agent, and he could have. Like, the Lakers thing was out there all year. Stephen A. Smith was talking out of his ass about the Lakers all year. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I didn't... Like, like I had had this conversation, like, um, that I thought... Like, it didn't even seem unrealistic to me that DeMar might leave, but Mm -hmm. I I guess when I was even thinking about that, I was like, you know, maybe he'll go back to L.A. Like, maybe he'll go to the Lakers. Like, that would almost make more sense for him personally. Yeah. Um, so I can't say that, like, you know, this totally blinds, blindsided me. It feels like it did. But I, this was already, like, the the prospect of him leaving, you know, I want to make it clear, like, it it was out there. Mm-hmm. Like, I had thought about it. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't, I think, I think that we neglect to look at, too, like, we look at the team that, that like, yeah, Masai has built 100%, but, like, the reason... I would think it's so appealing, if at all, for other guys to want to come here. Has so much to do with like the core of the team mm-hmm. that the Demar built, and like that he was a part of. Like it, like, Toronto, the Raptors, I guess you know, are more on the map now than they ever have been before. But I think like you can't, you can't really like take Demar out of that equation. I don't think it was just like, I don't think maybe some do, but I, I my guess would be like. Not every basketball player really gives a shit about, like, the front office is doing or what they look like, you know? Yeah. I've seen people talk about, oh, like, wouldn't you, wouldn't, a, like, a, a player want to go to a team that, like, where a front office is, like, super aggressive and they know they will be? It's like, I don't know, will they? Or, like, do they want to go somewhere where they know they're going to get supported? The team seems, like, very confident and, like, happy with one another. Yeah. And, like, they're going into it, like, a good situation. Like, yeah, I, I know that, like, the Lakers with Kobe won a bunch of championships, but like Kobe was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and like, so was KG, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those weren't guys that were like very fun to play with. And I know it's like, it, it can't be fun all the time, but like, I'm sure that it's nice to get paid a lot of money and to have fun while you're, while that's happening. <laughs> yeah. The team definitely has less sold now. That's for sure. It's a pretty yeah. bullish trade from that perspective. But like, I, I still, like, I think, like Kyle still being here, that matters, I think. But this is what okay. Another thing from that press conference today, like whatever, I get it. He was like jet lagged and pretty tired, mm. and he, I think he handled it fine, considering like some of, like the caliber of like the questions, which were all just like, "How could you?" Which I was glad, <laughs> which I was glad to hear. I feel like nobody actually came as like they could have been more critical than they were, but. um when he said that, like, he hadn't spoken to Lowry, I was honestly so surprised. And then I was like, am I a naive fan? Because it's like, I just assumed they would have, like, someone would have reached out to him after it had happened to be like, hey, you know, like, not just, like, DeMar's, your best friend is gone, but, like, we also care about, like, your future on this team. Yeah. In fairness, um, we don't know if Bobby Webster's talked to him or not. He just was speaking for himself. I don't so. care about Bobby Webster either. He's up there with cares for me. The, those two together, I don't know about him. But, like, I don't... When he said that... Sorry, when he said that, I didn't take it to mean just him, because obviously he's been away. I, I don't take that he's been, like, actually communicating with that many people other than who he had to. Yeah. Like, when this whole deal went down. Um, but just, like, if nobody has... But to me, that's kind of a problem. Summer vacation watch. Where's Kyle right now? You should know. Is he at home? <laughs> is he in Barbados? Is he no, available? I'll say that the Raptors have been like particularly lackluster with their vacations this year. JV got one in early, and then there was like, I think OG was dancing on a beach with Bruno. 
somewhere. Oh man! Um, but <laughs> see, there's still that, soul. Like, there's still soul. Bring Bruno back. Get some soul back. No, but Bruno will just like you know Bruno's gonna Bruno's gonna thrive now that he's gone. Like Bruno was so for some reason the opposite. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think this is a good spot to leave it because we've gone on a very long time and I have a radio interview in like a minute and a half. So okay. I'm going to wrap <laughs> well, this here. You're really sad and you're ready for it. I am <laughs> sad, but hey, this was, uh, I think this was therapeutic. Damar, forever in our hearts. Um, I made the joke that I'm excited for when the Raptors trade for him at age 37 for wing depth. Um <laughs> Because they, they they don't have enough pump fakes on the team. <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon for it's these gonna happen. We're getting the Kevin Garnett homecoming video at some point. I'm feeling it. It's going to happen. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> oh, man. Katie, this was great. Uh, where can people check out your stuff? Like now, like recently? Yeah, like um, the work that so you're working on currently. Watch is like every Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything else you can probably just find by following me on twitter good stuff also the coolest player of all time draft on take it or break it you were part of and it was very good so you should people should listen to that yeah my team was the coolest they were actually won did so. you win both coolest player currently oh, and I all time i won all time but oh, in my okay. mind i did but i was snaked because uh Wilms got rashid fair enough you also drafted russell westbrook in the current day player one which i don't totally buy but hey to each their own. And I you won. Right, Results. Bottom line, you won. You won. Fine. 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 <laughs> Russ is fine. Uh, Katie, this was great, and we will talk to you uh, soon, I'm sure. We'll get in our feelings once again when something else traumatic happens. Um, everyone. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, here's hoping. Everyone, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Uh, appreciate it. Everyone who's listened, there's been lots of listeners this week. If you're a new listener, uh, subscribing, rating, and reviewing is the best way to support the show, and uh, I appreciate it very much. And we'll be back again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.